Hey there, thoughtful listener. What is your number one lead generation blocker? Head to upmyinfluence.com slash quiz to find out right now. That's upmyinfluence.com slash quiz, and I'll share why you aren't getting the intros and sales you deserve. We're also actively seeking guests for this daily commercial-free entrepreneur wisdom podcast. Agency owners, consultants, coaches, and B2B service providers, head to upmyinfluence.com slash guest, and I'd love to promote your expertise to our amazing audience. Let's get on with the show. With us right now, it's Jason Gardner. Jason, you are the CEO at Tacobi, and you're found on the web at tacobi.com. That's T-E-C-O-B-I.com. Jason, thank you so much for joining us. Thanks for having me. All right, great. Well, give us an overview of your work. Um, so I've been in the car business for 21 years. Um, I actually uh, found a telemarketing job uh, when... I was in my early 20s, cold calling car dealers to sell them software and uh, was calling 100, 150 car dealers a day to sell them early stage software. This was back in 2001, uh, before most dealers even had a website. Um, And I did really well at selling to car dealers and grew that to being the general manager of a company. Um, And then in 2008, I decided I wanted to start my first business and do it on my own. Um, And I went out and quickly realized that I didn't know how to write software and couldn't (laughs) afford software developers. Um, So that's when I started educating myself on how to build servers, how to build databases, how to write code. Um, And uh, the first company didn't work out too well. Um, I had two partnerships that uh, did varying success, but we eventually just uh, parted ways. Um, and then six years ago, uh, we found ourselves start found myself starting over. And I looked to my wife and said, honey, I need your help. I, I've tried everything. I need you to step in and help me. Um, and she said, I don't know what I'm doing. I said, I'll teach you everything I know. I just need you to help. Um, I had an idea for a texting platform to text message customers, uh, that want to communicate about buying a car. Um, So I built a text messaging platform and we integrated that with paid Facebook ads. Mm. And we just started getting tons of leads coming from Facebook, um, from our home office. Um, We started this with about a $20,000 on-deck loan. So um, there's no venture capital. We're self-funded, bootstrapped everything. Um, And from our home office, we started getting pummeled with leads. Uh, We decided at the end of 2016, it was time to get an office. Um, And here we are six years later. Uh, Last year, we did 20 million in revenue. um, And and we're having another record year this year. Uh, Still self-funded, still no investors, and, and basically had to learn everything that it took to build this business on Google. Uh, being a 10th grade dropout with no college, I had to get on Google to learn how to, how to do accounting, how to sell, how to do customer service, mm-hmm. how to hire people, how to fire people, how to build software. Um, and, and it's done pretty well for us. Our life has changed drastically from six years ago 
Um, you know, outside of the loan that we took to start the company, I think we had close to about $500 in our account <laughs> when we started this business six years ago. Well, congratulations on the success. Now, um, one thing you didn't mention is that uh, you also, uh, so I, I was in the Navy, you were in the Army. Thank you so much for your service. Um, I'm going to ask you about this because anytime, uh, I mean, we have the opportunity to celebrate someone who is um, done well in business and they have military background. I, I, I love your insight on what were the things that you picked up on or the character traits that you developed or the culture, things like that, that you picked up on from your military experience that aided you in, um, in, in what it takes to start and, and grow a successful company. Um, so when I went in the military, I was a punk kid, a uh, couple weeks. <laughs> Weren't we all? <laughs> So I was a couple of weeks before my 18th birthday when wow. I when I started the process of going through basic training. Um, discipline is probably the one of the bigger things that I learned from the army. But I remember that first week of basic training. Um, I was a cigarette smoker at the time and uh, not smoking cigarettes in basic training, and they're pushing you to run ridiculous amounts of of distances. Um, and there was so many times I thought I was actually going to die, um, you know, and, and you just keep pushing through it and you realize you're not going to die and you get over that pain hump. And once you're on the other side of that pain hump, it, it becomes easier. Um, and I think, you know, that, that plays a big role in, in what I've accomplished with this business, because there's been times where we've hit a pain hump. And if it wasn't for me understanding that, hey, this is just temporary, you got to get through it. And on the other side is something better. Um, I probably would have given up. I probably would not have pushed through uh, those challenging times that that we had to go through to get to where we're at. Yeah. Um, all right. So having been in the automotive industry as long as you have, I'm sure that you've seen some evolution. So in my other persona, I, I'm, I'm fascinated and I lead and you know, talk about consumer behavior quite a bit. And, and I'm really curious about your perspective on kind of the whole car buying experience and how that's evolved over the past 20 years uh, and where we are today. How are cars marketed and sold today versus where we were 10, 15, 20 years ago? It's actually ironic you bring that up because I've actually got Jim Farley's video, uh, recent video from him talking about removing the uh, dealerships from Ford's car buying uh, process. Um, so I sit in a unique position. Um, I I sit between the consumer and the dealership and where both the consumer and the dealership are our customer uh, in a sense. Um, so we're constantly trying to balance between the customer and the dealer and um, so my, my perspective is different than everyone else. Um, the Tesla, you know, they're trying to, to model Tesla or Carvana or Vroom, uh, because we know the demands there. Customers want a smoother car buying process. They oh, don't want to deal with the, with the sales processes. Yep. Um, but what people aren't thinking about in this and, and the reason I have the, our part of this unique perspective is you have to have good credit situation. You have to have perfect equity in your vehicle when you buy a car from Tesla. 
Um, if you've ever been through their process and you have negative equity or your credit isn't perfect, you'll realize that they auto decline you and there's no one that's going to call you and and try and work. Uh, you know, maybe you needed a different car. Maybe you were, were submitting it on a on a Model S and you should have been on something a little lower. Um, there's no one to really analyze your financial situation, your car situation, so that they can help you structure the financing that you would need to get a Tesla. So the reason Tesla had their success isn't because the car buying process, it's because it was a new type of vehicle. Um, it was a way for us to show that we're better than our neighbor for some people. Um, and it's kind of like the iPhone of cars. And they had that early uh, you know, rush of customers that wanted something different, that wanted an electric vehicle. Well, other car makers that come out with electric vehicles, which they're all doing right now, are not going to have that added advantage. Um, so on the Tesla side of things, it caters to a really good credit customer that has no negative equity, that um, that you can't have anything different in your in your financing that uh, to, or you're going to get declined. On the Carvana side of things, it gets even more interesting because I think we've all heard of, you know, the owners of Carvana and some of the uh, background of those people. Um, they started their own lending institutions so that they could get subprime customers financed without having to go through the traditional process that you would have to go through with a bank. Um, so when you're your own lender, you can approve anything. You can approve, you know, anyone for any kind of car. Um, so there, it's questionable how that's going to turn out for them. Um, and, you know, as stocks drop and as volume drops for them, who knows what's going to happen to the banking side of, of Carvana and what they've done with all the loans that could be questionable loans. Um, so where I'm going with this is I would say maybe 10% of the leads are customers we touch a month, which is hundreds of thousands of customers mm. are perfect situations where they can buy online they've got a car with no negative equity or they're paying cash or they got a right amount of money down the other 90 percent of situations are someone with negative equity that has some medical something on their credit and what i don't think consumers understand is you can go to dealership a and get turned down for a car yeah. and go to dealership B and get a really good interest rate and get financed for a car. And people don't understand why that is. It's because the relationship that finance managers and dealerships have with banks. So when a dealer is talking to a customer, trying to understand their situation and realize, hey, John lost his job four years ago. He got behind on some medical debt. Um, that's why his credit is the way that it is. When you have an advocate at the dealership to call the bank and discuss that and the bank trust that the dealership's telling them the truth, then the bank will approve things that they may not approve for a dealership that they don't trust. Um, so that relationship with the bank is what helps dealers get customers into cars and customers always want more car than they can afford. Yeah. Um, more <laughs> often than not, customers want more car than they can afford. Mm. And it's up, it, it's now the salesperson's job to kind of bring that person down to reality and say, Hey, maybe the Escalade isn't the right vehicle for you right now. I can get you into the Tahoe. And then in two or three years, as your score has gone up or you've built mm -hmm. some equity in the Tahoe, we can bring you back in and get you into an Escalade. And people think dealers are just trying to switch them into 
some other kind of car that they're going to make more money on. That's not true. The dealers are trying to structure a deal so that the bank will buy your deal. And you don't get that in a Carvana model. You don't get that in a Tesla model. Um, and you're not going to get that in Farley's model. And I think he's making a grave mistake because when, when, demand comes back up and we've got our demand goes down and we've got inventory, what's going to happen is the other car makers are going to go back to $10,000 off MSRP to capture market share. And now Farley's going to be sitting here and Ford's going to be sitting here trying to charge MSRP and you got GM or whoever didn't go to that direct to consumer model that's saying, Hey, we'll take 10,000 off MSRP. And now Ford's scrambling because they've taken and and upset all of their dealers, the 170,000 people that work for car for Ford dealers around the country. And I'm not picking on Ford because there's other OEMs that are are thinking about that same process, mm-hmm. that same model. Now I understand the consumers want an easier car buying process, mm-hmm. um, and and there are dealers out there that take advantage. And but from my perspective, I'd say it's the minority, not the majority. Uh, the majority of dealers really just want to sell cars. They yeah. want to help you get a car as quick as possible. They want to figure out your situation, get you into the most car that they can get you in w- based on your financial situation. Um, they're not trying to lie to you. They're not trying to cheat cheat you. Um, and and sometimes that 10% of dealers that just really give everyone a bad reputation um, stand out like a sore thumb because all the happy customers don't go out and write reviews and talk online. It's all the upset customers that do that. Um, so the car business kind of gets a bad rap on that. It, there mm. is a lot of transparency. Um, they're th- the top car salesman in the country uh, does a couple hundred cars a month by himself as, as a salesman. Wow. And wow. His, his entire uh, philosophy is transparency because you can't, do that. Many thank you. Cars. Thank you. Amen. Love it. Agreed. Right. So you can't do that many cars if you're not transparent uh, mm-hmm. because then you're negotiating and you're going back and forth with customers. So um, there is a big movement in the car business to create transparency. There are people proving that it works. Um, I don't think the direct to consumer model is going to work because it's just such a complicated financial process yeah. that I that dealers have always done for the customer and the customers haven't had to do themselves really. So they don't understand what's going on uh, on the financial side of buying a car. Yeah. I mean, I love the dynamic where we think of the, the the sales professional as an advocate for the customer. You know, if the sales professional is like, listen, I know the world and obviously, yes, I'm compensated and rewarded based on, you know, if I can help you. However, let me listen to your situation, you know, what you're, and I'll let you know what we can work. Like, I love that dynamic. What I don't like is this adversarial, hey, what do we got to do to get you into this? You know, that sort of an attitude. And I, and I think that largely... That is, I don't see that very often as much as I did, say, 15 years ago. Um, you know, one thing I wanted to ask you just on this final, what, no, we're running low on time. I can't even get into the stuff. Like, I was going to ask you about, like, you know, true cars impact, you know, things like that. Uh, we don't have time. I, I want, I'd love for you to share a little bit about Tacobi and, and, you know, your, you know, who you're working with and how you're partnering with dealers and just crushing it, um, particularly, um, you know, in areas like Facebook and Instagram marketing. 
Um, so on Facebook, we integrated with lead gen ads back in 2016. It's a way to capture a lead directly from Facebook. So it eliminates the website. So normally in digital marketing, there's a funnel where you take the click, they go to the website, they have to fill out a form. You got a conversion rate on your website. Uh, Facebook came out with something called lead gen ads, which is they're pulling name, email, and cell phone number out of the Facebook profile. And it's a form that pops up on Facebook um, that is pre-filled out. The customer just clicks submit. As soon as they click submit, our system sends them a text message. And then I've built what I call hybrid intelligence. Um, one of the challenges that dealers face is the volume of leads that they get every month. Um, so dealers are getting 500 to 1,000 leads a month, and they have a very limited staff to follow up with those leads. And the traditional CRMs that dealers use are very cumbersome. Um, there's a lot of task completion and just a lot of work in a CRM uh, that isn't actually talking to a customer to do your follow-up. Um, so we've built a way for multiple people and artificial intelligence to work together while communicating with one individual customer. And the customer doesn't know all of that's going on in the background. They're just getting a text message from a phone number. So we've created hyper-efficiency in the follow-up process and the communication process to help ease the workload of the volume of leads that dealers are getting that they have to follow up with which is part of why they're aggressive is because they got to try and get as many car deals as they can out of those yeah. leads because they're going to fall behind on their follow-up and they're just trying to get as many as they can. And they're just constantly moving because you can't really follow up with people in the traditional CRM process. Mm -hmm. Well, when we built Tacobi, text message allows for mass follow-up. So I can follow up with 2000 people at once this morning figure out who wants to talk to me. And as a salesperson, I'm focusing my time just on the people who are re-engaging from that text message instead of going through task in my CRM, trying to call people that aren't answering the phone, um, which that is the second part of this is we can't get people to answer the phone anymore. It doesn't matter what sales job you're in. Um, customers just, you can't, you can barely get your kids to answer the phone, more or less uh, someone that just wants to know the price on a new truck. Um, yeah. So people online submitting leads are typically don't want to talk to someone. That's why they're online submitting information yep. is they want to get some basic information, not get five phone calls from a dealer trying to just get them in for an appointment. Um, so the texting allows us to warm up the customer to get their questions answered, to make them feel like they're getting what they want. And um and it's done really well at at converting two phone calls to actually getting people on the phone. So, you know, in a traditional CRM, a dealer will call 20 people. They're lucky if they talk to one or two people in a traditional CRM because you're just randomly calling people to follow up. You don't know if they want to talk to you right now. Mm -hmm. Using our process with text message to follow up and text message initially, uh, the initial form of communication, we can get eight out of 10 people to answer the phone because yeah. they are. Oh, I believe it they are people that want to talk to you. They're engaged via text. And um, it's just really taking that answer rate through the roof. And we're trying to bridge that gap between uh, dealers being able to communicate with customers and customers getting what they want and trying to bridge that gap of giving the customers what they want, but also knowing that there has to be a sales process in order for some of these people to be able to get a car. 
Yeah. You know, even I bet in that process, if you were to just ask on text, just like, hey, is text great? We can communicate back and forth. Or would you like me to call you? I agree. I bet a a majority today would say, well, you know, let's just keep coordinating on text here. High level. If if we need to go to voice, we'll go to voice. But, you know, I agree. And and I look at I think particularly your Gen Z's or millennials, millennials, especially uh, would much. You you boomers. Gen Xers are in the middle, but you you know, you boomers like, oh, I just want to talk to a friendly voice. But uh, yeah, you're you're younger folks for sure. I I have Um, a lot of data pertaining to that. I bet. I bet. Boomers have actually doubled in the sentiment of text over the past three to four years. So boomers are increasingly wanting text more than phone calls. Wow. All right. So to Kobe.com, who needs to be hitting up that website right now? And what do they do? Um, anyone in the car business, um, general managers, salespeople, anyone that wants to communicate with customers more efficiently, um, and they just click the text us button on the bottom and our team will text them and we set up a demo and show them how our software works and our process helps them uh, be more efficient with customer communication. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, listen, I've really enjoyed our conversation. Jason Gardner, you're the CEO of Tecobi. The website is tecobi.com. Jason, thank you for joining us. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to the Thoughtful Entrepreneur Show. If you are a thoughtful business owner or professional who would like to be on this daily program, please visit upmyinfluence.com slash guest. If you're a listener, I'd love to shout out your business to our whole audience for free. You can do that by leaving a review on Apple Podcasts or join our listener Facebook group. Just search for The Thoughtful Entrepreneur in Facebook. I'd love even if you just stopped by to say hi. I'd love to meet you. We believe that every person has a message that can positively impact the world. We love our community who listens and shares our program every day. Together, we are empowering one another as thoughtful entrepreneurs. Hit subscribe so that tomorrow morning, that's right, seven days a week, you are going to be inspired and motivated to succeed. I promise to bring positivity and inspiration to you for around 15 minutes each day. Thanks for listening and thank you for being a part of the Thoughtful Entrepreneur Movement.